everybody. Hey, hey, it's great to see you guys. Welcome to ICC. If, it, if you're new this morning, we're so thankful that you're here and chosen to worship with us. I'm Barrett, one of the pastors here, and it's great to be back. Uh, Michelle and I just got back yesterday afternoon from a week of uh, vacation away, and grateful for the time that you allow us to be away just to spend together. This was our, our week where we go and see extended family, and uh, it was fun. Um, some of y'all are smiling like it's not so fun for you. Um, no, it really was fun. I love you, Mom and Dad. Um, we had a great time. We went down to the beach and had several days of relaxation with Michelle's family. And then we went to the polar opposite extreme of vacation style and went to Disney World with my family and 50,000 of our closest friends. And uh, <laughs> it was cray-cray. But we got the picture with Mickey and... Um, so anyway, that was a blessing to be able to go down there, and uh, I've got a family member who works down there now, so we had a lot of perks and got to skip a couple of lines, which was good. Um, if you've ever been down there, you know what I'm talking about. It is crazy, but uh, it's good to be back. We really are glad to be back um, this week. I want to thank Jordan, too, for his teaching last week while I was out. I, I've heard from several of you how much you enjoyed it, and if you missed last week or any of the weeks in this series, you can always catch up online with our online podcast, and uh, his joke at the beginning of the message last week about my Georgia Bulldogs was totally uncalled for. So I just want to just tell you, I'm going to handle that with him this week, and I just want to apologize on behalf of um, the church for how, how humiliating that comment was toward the Georgia Bulldogs. So, um, by the way, go Memphis Tigers. Yeah? I mean... I feel like Memphis is one of those teams that even if you have another team, you can still cheer for Memphis just because you live here. I don't know if that's right of me to say, but that's what I do. Um, So I have two teams, Georgia Bulldogs and now the Memphis Tigers. So go Tigers. I'm so excited. Um, Eventually, I'm going to make it to a football game. Anybody ever been? Will? A couple people have been? Great. Some of you Memphis students, how you been? Um, I was super excited. Great day. Great weekend for Memphis. Also, Justin Timberlake was in town last night couple of you, I expected shrills from the girls. Um, we, we were going to invite him to come and lead worship with us this morning, but then I thought that would be a distraction. So we just decided to just, just skip that all together. But um, it's a fun weekend to be in Memphis, really fun. And also, I know the highlight of your weekend, of course, is this morning being here at ICC and diving into the Word, which if, if you have your Bible, you can open it to Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to be finishing out Um, This section of the book of Ephesians in this chapter, chapter 3, this morning, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. The title of today's sermon, Designed in Fullness, continuing our series, Designed. And if you've got your guides, you can see the page numbers there, page 38 to 43 in your sermon guides, Designed in Fullness. And I do encourage you, even if you don't have the guides, uh, to take something out, um, you can take a piece of paper, one of those that was in your chair, except don't use the invites because we want you to give those to somebody. But take something out, including your phone, just to, to be able to engage with the word this morning. But if you do have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 23. I'm going to take time just to um, read the passage once more. Thank you for all those who have participated and read the scripture for us in those creative videos, we have all been really, really helped. Starting in verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, 
that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This has got to be like one of my favorite passages of scripture in the Bible. I love this passage. I remember memorizing it um, when I had a real, a period of spiritual awakening in my life when I was in college and I had just drifted far from the Lord and God brought me back to him and just so many things, so much renewal is happening in my heart and life. This was a passage that just, just it was like a megaphone type passage. You know those passages, those times in life when God speaks to you like almost through a megaphone. And it just captured my attention and captured my heart. And still to this day, I love it so much. Here in, is Ephesians, and it's the book that Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus. We've talked about that. And he loves this church. He spent years with this church. And he wants this church to, to really understand, to grasp and to understand, to live in all that God has done for them in Christ. He's been helping them in these first chapters really understand what God has done and provided for us in Christ, that it's more than we need. Helping us understand how God has designed us. That's why we call the series Designed. It's because there is a design to your life. And if If you're here today and you're seeking God and maybe you're new to church or you're just trying to figure all this out, I do want you to know, God wants you to know that he has designed you. There is a design for your life. And that design looks like you living in relationship with him. God created you. God, God brought you to life. When you were in your mother's womb, the Psalm 139 says that God was forming you. You were, you are intimately known. You are wonderfully made. You were given life by God. And that life was not to be lived apart from God forever and always. The design for your life was that you would live in relationship with God. And in these first chapters, chapters 1, 2, and 3, Paul is really laying out what we would call maybe doctrine, theology. Okay, These first three chapters are full of truth truth about how God has designed you to live in relationship with him. And over and over and over, he's been helping us understand that God is all that we need and more. He has provided all that we need and more in Christ Jesus. And yes, we are broken. Yes, we have fallen far away from God. But what God has done, he loved us so much that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. By grace, you have been saved. And it's not of yourselves. It's not anything that you have done. It's all a gift of grace, a gift of God, what God has done for you in Christ. By giving himself, God came for you. 
He lived perfectly for you. He died on the cross as a sacrifice for your sins that you might have forgiveness. He was buried, put away. He died the death that you and I deserve to die. He put away sin. He put away the consequence of sin, death, and the power of sin, the enemy. But he didn't stay dead, did he? Three days later, he rose to newness of life, and he lives today, and he wants to live in your life again. To all who believe, who receive him, he gave them the right to become children of God. God has designed us for himself, and we can know God through Christ. Isn't that good news? He's been speaking to us verse after verse after verse, chapter after chapter about the truth that God is all that we need. The truth of what he has done for us in Christ. Well, he comes here now to the end of chapter 3. And really, what he does here in verses 14 to 21. And by the way, all we do here at ICC, if you're new, we just go through the Bible. Because I can't know anything and you can't know anything about God except from the Bible. So we just love the Bible. And it's not that, you know, this, these pages are sacred or anything in terms of the physical material. It's just that God speaks to us through his word. And so that's why we teach the Bible. But here, 14 to 21, Paul gets to this point and he, he, he starts to pray a prayer. There's a transition point here at the end of three, and it will carry on all through the very end of the book, through chapter six, where he begins to turn from truth and he starts talking about your life. How does doctrine meet your everyday life? How can we live in light of the things that are true? And here he begins a transition point as he prays a prayer. Now, this is the second prayer that he prays in the book of Ephesians. The first prayer was a prayer for enlightenment. And this prayer is a prayer for enablement. Basically, he's saying, I want you to learn to live, to pray to God. I am praying for you. And I want you to pray for your own heart, your own life, that God would help you to live in light of all that he's done for you. That you would actually learn to receive, to believe and to receive and to enjoy all of these things in your everyday life that God has accomplished for you in Christ. The core truth for today, I'll go ahead and give it to you, is this. God has designed you to live life to the full every day. Somebody needs to get excited about this. This is not a Coke commercial or a McDonald's all breakfast, all day kind of commercial. You know, I used to, I was a marketing undergrad major. And we would sell people on all kinds of stuff. People mess with your emotions. Did you know that? Yeah. Some of y'all have been in the stores or you've seen the ads. You've, on the bad days, you, you order lots of Amazon stuff. Because you bought into these ideas that th- this one thing is going to help you live life to the full. This one thing just make things so much better. And always and forever, you're going to find that things in this world, they might in, bring temporary happiness for a little bit, but they will fade in the end and leave you still wanting. Here's the good news for you, and this is what Paul's trying to tell you, our core truth today. God has designed you to live your life to the full. That longing you have to live life to the full, oh, it's God-given. It's a good thing. Live it up. You don't hear pastors say this much. I'm going to tell you this morning. Live it up, folks. Live it up. 
Live your life to the full. Live to the max. Enjoy it. God has designed you to live it up every day. You don't have to wait till you go to Disney World. I'll tell you right now, I think I'm happier today than that day we were there. <laughs> Mainly because I'm not walking around like this, waiting in line for four hours for characters. Um, live it up every day. God has designed you to live it up every day. Aren't you excited about this? I need to see smiles. I'm looking at you, and I'm actually, I'm not just preaching to empty room. I'm preaching to you, okay? What do you think about this? It's good news, right? You can live it up every day. How? God has designed you to live life to the full every day, relying not on yourself, but on his overflowing love and provision for you in Jesus. Yes, God has designed you to live to the full every day. How? By learning, and this is a process, guys, learning to live where you are relying not on yourself or anything else in this world, but rather learning to rely on his overflowing love, God, relying on God and his overflowing love and overflowing provision for you in Jesus. To live a life of dependence, complete dependence upon God. And that's why he starts these verses by saying, oh, for this reason I am praying. In light of all that I have taught you, that is true. In light of the truth, the reality, the black and white absolute of what is true in Christ, I am praying for you. And I am asking that you would pray too. To learn to live dependently upon God and his overflowing love and provision for you. I don't know about you, but sometimes when you pray, it can be hard. (laughs) Sometimes when you pray, um, you know, you can go through seasons where you wonder does praying do anything? When I pray, like, is it, is it just empty space I'm praying? Who, what, what am I, what is prayer? What do I need to pray? What does dependence upon God really look like? And he says here in Ephesians, when you pray, you, you need to understand, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family In heaven on earth is named the origin, the original one, the one who has always been, who everyone else gets their life and existence from. I'm praying to God. Who are you meeting when you pray? The God that according to the riches of his glory. You are praying to a God who is alive. You're praying to a God who hears you. And you are praying to a God who has abundant riches to answer you. The abundance, the riches, he describes, of his glory. I'm asking, he's, Paul's saying, I'm asking that you learn to live dependently upon the riches of God. So what does it look like for us 
to pray. Yeah, we can pray. And yet when we pray, we are praying to the eternal God, the God who is alive, the God who does have everything in his storehouse. Listen, if your daddy owned, if your daddy was Bill Gates, you would ask for a lot more than what you ask for right now, right? Probably. You wouldn't live with a pauper mentality. You would live because you know you have access to riches. God's saying, I have access to all the riches in the world, spiritually speaking, riches and glory. Learn to pray. Learn to live dependent upon me. Well, what are we going to pray? Well, there's four things that he outlines here in the passage that we can pray to God in faith for. And I want you to write these down. We're going to walk through them quickly this morning. But there are four things he says, I am praying for you, and I want you to learn to pray to God in faith for these four things. First is spiritual strength. Spiritual strength. Secondly is spiritual depth in Christ. Spiritual depth in Christ. Third is an experiential knowledge of God's love. An experiential knowledge of God's love. And fourth is fullness of God. Fullness of God. Paul says, I'm praying for you and I want you to learn to pray like this. In light of all that Christ has done, I want you to pray to God in faith. Believing him. What? For? For spiritual strength, spiritual depth, experiential knowledge of God's love in Christ and for the fullness of God. They're separate, but they are, I don't want you to think about these as individual um, segments. Warren Wearsby says these things are more like a telescope where, where they, they, they build on one another. So you see one and it leads to another and leads to another and leads to another. And through all of them, you can begin to really live life to the full as God has designed you to live every day. And, and one, if you, if you experience spiritual strength, it's going to lead you to spiritual depth. And as you experience spiritual depth, it will lead you to more experience and knowledge of God's love for you. And as that happens, you're going to be led to more of the fullness of God. So all of these, while separate, all build together. So let's start just with the first one, spiritual strength. Here in verse 16, he says... I'm praying for you that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. The Holy Spirit is given to us. It's the very presence of God within us. If you ever wondered that what we're talking about, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. It is God, God who lives within us. The Holy Spirit comes to us when we're saved. And in fact, it is one of the the key evidences of, of salvation. To all who are born of God have the Spirit of God. It describes that very clearly in Romans 8. If you do not have the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, it says that you are not born again. You're not a child of God. So the Holy Spirit, of course, is present in all who are believers. But more than that, 
it's saying here that he's praying that we would be strengthened with the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit ministers to us. And in fact, the Holy Spirit is indispensable to our life as Christians. And there are varying degrees that we can experience the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Acts chapter 1.8 says, You will be filled with power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In Luke chapter 4, we see that the key to Jesus' ministry on earth, we, we always look at Jesus and we think, wow, unbelievable the things that Jesus did, the things that Jesus knew, and of course he is the Son of God. But do you know how he ministered here on earth? It's the same power that's available to us as humans because he was God in the flesh as human. It says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is indispensable to our life. If we're going to experience the things that God wants us to experience as you go to school and as you're a mom or a dad at home, as you're hanging out with your neighbors and your friends on the weekend or you're dealing with family trouble and issues, as you're waiting on that thing that you've been praying for, as you're et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, dealing with just everyday life, the Holy Spirit is God's gift to us that we might find all that we need to live life to the full as he has designed us. We cannot do it apart from the Holy Spirit. The word in Greek literally means not to be strengthened by self-effort, but to be strengthened by an outside source. It indicates that this strength is not strength that you like muster up within yourself, but rather it's strength that is given to you from outside yourself so that you may have what you need. It's kind of interesting. And it's also strength, it says, in your inner man. See, over and over and over, the scriptures teach us to pray for spiritual things. And yes, God does know that we need bread to eat and a place to live. And things, you know, things in this world matter to, to us and they also matter to God. But this prayer and so many of the prayers in scripture are, are prayers that God would do something on our inside. Okay? Something on our inside. How often do you pray that God would do something on your inside? How often are you praying that God would do something in your heart? Not just your circumstances, but in your heart. Often what I found is when I pray for things to happen within me and not just outside of me, I find the circumstances often that I started praying for and really wanted to change usually change. But God does his best work within us. Here he's saying we need strength in our inner man. And this is strength, not that we muster up from ourselves, but it's strength that is given to us as a gift of God from outside of us, as a gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, anybody have a refrigerator at home? Has anybody ever tried to run your refrigerator without electricity? Just try it this afternoon. Unplug your refrigerator, and on Friday... Um, I want you to check it and see how things are going. <clears throat> Hold your nose. Um, it doesn't work without electricity, right? Anybody ever um, try to drive a car without gas? Okay, this is a true story about me. I'm about to be very real with you. I have run out of gas in Memphis five times. I am the world's worst gas putter in her, if that's a phrase. I am so bad at it. Like, Michelle sometimes has to, like, fill my car up with gas. Like, that should be my job for her, right? I'm so bad. I don't know why, but I never look at my gas gauge. Even this morning, 
I don't know if my car's going to crank when I go to leave this afternoon. Because this morning, I just, by the grace of God, got here because my, I looked at my gauge, and it was E-E-E, and my car was like sputtering already. And I was like, why is this happening again? That would be number six. Um, usually Robbie, I call Robbie, and now he's started to get the, the, the hang of it because I call him, and I guess he hears the tone of my voice. I just go, uh, Robbie, he is, where are you? <laughs> and he, I have a gas can now. I own a gas can, and it's the gas can. I keep it at Robbie's house, and that way he just can <laughs> just come on with it. Seriously, you ever try to run a car without gas? It just doesn't work. Um, just as electricity or refrigerator is dependent upon electricity, just as a car is dependent on gas. Why are those things true? Because they were designed that way. So you as a Christian are dependent upon the Holy Spirit. You cannot understand or explain the life that God wants you to live to the full every day apart from reliance, strength from the Holy Spirit. It would not make sense to try to use your refrigerator without plugging it in or try to use your car without putting gas on it. It also does not make sense to try to live the life that God has called you to live without the Holy Spirit. God wants to strengthen you. Oh, yes, friends, you can be strong in your inner man. How does it happen? Through the Holy Spirit. Strength not mustered up from within, but given to you by God through His Spirit. Now, this flies in the face. I know, of the self-help culture of our day. If you go to any bookstore, just yesterday, we passed a lot of them in the airport. Just yesterday, looking on the shelves, the, the, often the, the front books and the inspirational or devotional type sections are not books that teach you to rely upon God. They're books that teach you to rely more upon yourself. Be the best you that you can be. And I do want you to be the best you that you can be, but I believe the best you you can be is not going to be when you try to do it yourself, but you when you give yourself to God. And I just, if you look at the articles and the magazines today, some of us are obsessed with those, with the blogs and the magazines and stuff like that, and that's okay, but there are very few that I have found that really teach you to live dependently upon God. Rather, they often say things like, doing this yourself or finding this within yourself or, you know, again, mustering up the energy or the courage to, to, to just get it done within yourself. Dig deep within. And I do believe you need to know yourself, but God wants you to know yourself and know that you cannot do it on your own. He's designed you to do it dependently upon God. And we've got to learn, we've got to pray, God, would you help me to be strengthened I need to be strengthened, but I know it's not going to be by strengthening myself. I need you from outside of me to strengthen me by your spirit within me that I might have all that I need. Does that make sense? Just yesterday in the airport, Michelle and I had a big fight. We're normal. We had a big fight. It was one of the biggest fights we've ever had. Some of you are looking at me like, I can't believe he's telling us this. Every couple in the room can attest that sometimes you have disagreements in marriage. Well, yesterday, we left the Atlanta airport for about an hour because my dad was not able to go to Disney World. And so I, being a people pleaser, want to make everybody happy. And I said, well, we'll use our hour and a half layover to leave the security area to go out and see my dad, have a quick breakfast with him, and then we'll go back in security. It's not going to be bad on Saturday mornings, and we'll catch the flight and come on back home. Well, of course, we left the security area, and then we came back in, and guess what? We missed our flight. Yeah. 
Well, they're like, well, we'll just put you on the flight in an hour. We go to get on that flight, and there's no room. So at this point, I'm blaming her. She's blaming me. We're, yeah, that happens. And we just had this big kind of disagreement. And in the moment, everything in me wanted to rely on my flesh and just be like, and she wanted to rely on her flesh, and I... And those moments happen in friendships and in relationships where you could just quickly say words that you regret sometimes. I was frustrated because you don't need to know the context. It was just bad. I'm not going to tell you why I was right, although I was. <laughs> Michelle just gave me the eye. She gave me the stink eye. She was right. I'm going to be afraid. I'll get it this afternoon. We'll have another fight. But here... <laughs> Just kidding, y'all. I love Michelle. She loves me. We're, we're okay. We made up last night um, after about four hours. Um, no, but here's the thing. I had to remember. There was one point at which I felt very tempted to just say something else. And I just had to remember, and I'm not trying to say I'm a better man because I was by far the worst man in the fight, okay? Because I was the only man in the fight. But um, anyway, just kidding. I was not good by any means. I had, it came to this point where I had to say something else. And I had to think, God, I need, I need patience right now. I do not feel patient. And this happens inside of me on a daily basis. I need love right now, and I don't feel like loving. I don't feel like loving in the way you love. I don't feel like sacrificing. I don't feel like being selfless right now. There are times where you just, you do not have it within you. If, if it's up to me and what I can do, I just don't have it. But this is why Paul says you need to learn to pray God can give you something that you don't have. He can do in you. He can make you strong in ways that you can't be strong in yourself. Learn to live in dependence upon the Holy Spirit and what God can give you through the Spirit. So from outside of myself comes love. God's love given to me in my heart that overflows in that moment that I need it. Patience that I would not have on my own. Suddenly to be able to hold my tongue. Not my patience, but God's patience working through me. Selflessness, I pray. It was for it was not the greatest selflessness. But there came resolution when we both stopped and kind of realized that we need something we can't do ourselves. We need God to come in and give us something, peace, that we need together. That's what it looks like to pray, to rely on the strength, spiritual strength, strength from the Holy Spirit. And you've got a choice. It's one of the greatest challenges of the Christian life. Are you going to rely on yourself in every moment of the day? Think about those circumstances that you face on a daily basis. Those coworkers, those neighbors, those friends, those tasks, those problems, those things that you're waiting on. Are you going to rely on yourself and what you can do? Or are you going to believe God and rely that he can give you something that you cannot give yourself and rely on him and what the Holy Spirit can do. The opportunity for us is to learn to rely on the strength of the Holy Spirit and our inner man because he can do what we cannot do. Amen? Where is your dependence? He wants you to live life to the full. The first thing is you gotta learn to have spiritual strength, strength from the Holy Spirit. Number two is this, that you've got to learn spiritual depth. Spiritual depth. He says here, I am praying that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power 
through the Spirit in your inner being. And then verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. He's praying here for spiritual depth. Spiritual depth. And there's three components of this. And I think the words will come up on the screen. He uses three words to describe the depth that he's praying for and that we should pray for by faith to God. One is being having a dwelling, that God would make his dwelling with us. Two is rooted, and three is grounded. I want you to write those three words down. Dwelling, rooted, and grounded. He starts by saying, I want you to pray that, I'm praying, I want you to pray, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Now, the word dwell is a word that you would use. It literally means like to make a full-time residence. It's the word you would use like to live in your house, to inhabit your house, to, to settle down. Here's the expression this, this means. To settle down and to feel at home. That's, that's the word he's using here. And he's saying, I am praying that Christ would be able to settle down and feel at home in your life. That Christ would dwell, would take up residence in your heart through faith. See, because it's not all about head knowledge. It's about heart. It's about faith. He said, yeah, I'm telling you these last three chapters, all these things that are true, but until you learn to receive them in your heart, it's nothing. So I'm praying that you do understand what is true, but that you would allow Christ to settle down and feel at home in your heart by trusting him, by calling out to him and saying, oh, Jesus, I believe these things. I believe these things. Would you make them true in my life? Would you help me to understand them and to know them and to live in them? That's what he's saying. Um, It's the difference between like a conversation that you would have with somebody, like with Mickey Mouse the other day, you know, we had a conversation with him just Friday. Hi, Mickey. How are you? Oh, good. I'm good. Hello, Caroline. He's, you know, and it's a one-minute conversation, and it didn't even feel real, right? Well, part of it's because it was Mickey Mouse, but whatever. Um, You can have conversations out in public with people. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good, doing good, and you just make small talk and small chatter, but it never goes deep. That's wildly different than the kind of conversation that you have with one of your closest friends or closest members of your family. That's like a sofa conversation. And you sit there for hours and you pour out your heart and you allow yourself to be known and you talk about things that are really real, really important. That's the kind of depth that Paul's saying he's praying for us. I'm praying that Christ would be invited into your heart to sit on the sofa to know you, that you may know him, that you could look at each other in the eyes and talk about the things that are really going on, the part of yourself that you don't let many people know. I'm praying that you would be honest with him and open with him and intimate with him. I'm praying that you would have fellowship, that he would feel at home in your heart and in your life. He's saying, I'm praying you have a deeper experience with Christ. I don't know. Is that you? Do you feel like your life right now is characterized by that kind of depth of relationship with God? Or is it just surface level? 
Paul's saying it's got to go beyond surface, friends. I'm praying for you that it would go deep, that you would learn through faith to deepen your relationship with Christ. The second word he uses is rooted. He says that you being rooted and grounded in love. This is the image of a root system. He's literally calling on the farmers, those who are more outdoorsy-minded, who know agriculture, who know horticulture and botany and all this kind of stuff. He's saying, think about it. I want you to think about a root system of a tree. A tree needs to grow roots that go deep down into the soil to pull nutrients out, that allow that tree to be strengthened and nourished and to grow and to have life. So to a Christian, he's saying, I am calling on you to grow roots that grow down into the love of Christ. That you may have all the nutrition that you need to be strong and to bear fruit for God. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 8, I think is a beautiful word picture of this. It's in the Old Testament. You can write down the reference if you don't want to look at it right now. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 8, he says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man, in himself, and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He's like a shrub in the desert, and he shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the land of parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And it's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Similar to what Jesus said in John 15, abide in me. And all things are possible, but apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine and you are the branch. Abide in me. There's a contrast between people. People who try to do it on their own apart from God. But the the scripture says that those people are like dry plants. Their roots don't go anywhere except in parched and dry ground. They don't have the nutrition that they need. And therefore, in times of, of drought, they just wither up and are ready to be burned. But those who trust in the Lord, whose roots go down into the love of God and Christ, who are constantly looking to God for strength, looking to God for help, looking to God for satisfaction. Their roots have tapped into the unending source of life. They will always find the nutrition that they need in their heart and in their life. And that nutrition will supply them green and fruit and endurance in any season in and out of season, they will be healthy and well. He says, not only should you allow Christ to dwell in your life, to feel at home in your heart, but you should make sure that your roots are finding the nutrition that they need in Christ. Where do you look for your spiritual nutrition? Are you looking for the next fad? Are you looking for the next friendship, the next relationship? Where do you look for your identity, for your hope? Where do you look for your satisfaction? God says, I want you to be rooted. I want you to put down your spiritual roots in me and in my love for you. And in doing so, you'll find all that you need, be able to live life to the full. The third word he uses here with spiritual depth is grounded. 
Now, this is for those who are design-minded. It's an architectural term. It literally means established. Um, it's referring like to the image of the foundation of a building. I don't know about y'all, but I'm ready for that Kroger on Union Avenue to open. Anybody with me? Okay, thank you. Where do y'all shop? Y'all must go. I don't know where you shop. Anyway, hopefully, too, we might be getting a grocery store in Uptown. Wouldn't that be great? Um, we're trying to lobby for that. That would be really, really awesome if we could get a really great grocer. It'd be great for this neighborhood. It'd be great for those of us who live in this area. But I'm ready for the one on Kroger, the, the Kroger on Union to open. It feels like forever since, I mean, they put that fence up, I think, like a year ago. And it's like you can't really see in what's going on. And I'm like, what is taking them so long? Anybody with me? It just feels like forever. I'm just ready for it to go up already. Well, just yesterday I was riding down Union and I saw some wood coming up over the fence. And I was like, praise the Lord. There is something that's coming up. But you know what? I thought, what have they been doing in the last year? They've just been sitting around. And it's silly me. I'm not a designer. But I always think that it's just the stuff that you see <laughs> that's actually progress. But what... what we learn from architects is that it's the foundation. It's the things that we don't see that give the building strength and stability, right? It's the things that we don't see that are so vital for the whole rest of the structure. That foundation work going, if you want to go high, you first have to go deep. And what we learn here is that Paul is saying to us, you need to pray that you would have a foundation that you would learn to go deep to build the right foundation that you need in the love of God in Christ Jesus. You, as you build your life, need to make sure that before you're doing all the superfluous stuff that the main thing is there, which is building a foundation in the love of God. That you would ready that in your heart and in your life more than anything else. So he's saying, I want you to have spiritual depth. Oh, God has designed you to live life to the full. Live it up every day. How does that come? It happens through spiritual strength, the power of the Holy Spirit without strengthening you within. Secondly, spiritual depth. Learning to dwell, let Christ dwell in your hearts through faith. Learning to send your roots down into the love of Christ that you might be nourished for all that you need. Learning to build your life upon the foundation, not of your own success, not of your own merit, not of your own wisdom or power or strength, but build your foundation in God. That's what he's saying. Third, he prays for this, that you might have experiential knowledge of the love of God in Christ experiential knowledge of God's love. Verse 17 again, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. Experiential knowledge of God's love. Here in verse 18, he says, I'm praying that you would have strength to comprehend. The word here comes from a Latin, in Latin word, it's prehendere. 
it's the same word that's, it's basically like to grasp, to apprehend, to take a hold of. Um, we would say um, a form of this word is used with monkeys. I don't even know this, this scientific word. People who like animals are good with science. Maybe you'll correct me later on how to pronounce this. Prehensile tails is the scientific term for the kind of tails that monkeys have. Did you know that? There you go. Trivia fact for the day. Somebody needs to go play it on Friday night. You're going to win. Um, prehensile tails. Essentially, it describes tails that are able to grasp something. So you know how monkeys like hang from trees? It means that they're kind of tails that can hold on to the trees. They grasp it and they hold on to it. It comes from this very word, to comprehend. He's saying to us, I want you to grasp and to hold on to, like to grow a prehensile tail. That would be fun. (laughs) We could all have monkey tails spiritually. That's great. I want you to grow a tail that can grasp and hold on to something. What is he asking us to hold on to? With all of the saints, understand this, the vast love of God. You are designed to grasp and hold on to with your life the enormous, unending, amazing, the greatest, it's the best, the love of God. (laughs) Understand it. And he describes the extent of it. He uses four words, and I think I've drawn little arrows for you to kind of help explain this, the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. He's saying that you need to understand every dimension. Don't just be satisfied with hearing, for God so loved the world. Okay, he loves me. No, grab a tail and hold on to this with your life. It's everything. And you will never, ever, ever, ever grow to the end of understanding it. Set your heart to grasp, if you can, every dimension of the love of God for you. And that it would be experienced. See, I put experiential knowledge here. Experiential knowledge. Because it's not just knowledge, although it is knowledge of things that are true, but that knowledge has to transcend into an experience. It has to be personal in your life. Have you ever been amazed, over, overwhelmed, overcome by the love of God for you in Christ? That's what he's saying God wants for us. That we would be so amazed we would be so enamored that we would want with all of our heart and life to measure, to calculate, to understand the dimensions of God's love for us in Christ. He uses these four words, wide, high, long, deep. It's almost that if you move them all together in a continuum, you really see all of these four things in the cross, don't you? You really do. I don't know if that's exactly the picture here, but that, that's got to hit us, is that the place that we see all of these is in the cross. Wide enough to include every person, and that includes every person here and every person you will ever meet. God's love is wide enough. We should appreciate that. Wide enough to include all. Deep enough 
to reach the worst sinner, to forgive the worst sin. No matter what you have done, how offensive your sin is, how broken you feel that you are, you are not outside of the forgiving, the redeeming love of our God. Praise God. He loves you. His love is deep. To the deepest part of who you are and where you've been, he loves you there. His love is long, long enough to last all the way into eternity. You will never come to the end of understanding the everlasting love of God. That before you were born, God loved you. I can't get my head around that. It's the most amazing thing. That right now God loves me and that tomorrow and forever he will love me. That is amazing. That is a long love and I appreciate. I want to understand more of the length of God's love for me. And how high his love is. That it would reach me and allow me to even sit with God in the heavenly places. I can't understand this love of God. I'll never come to the end of understanding it, but yet he calls me to comprehend it, to grow my little tail, to reach around it and to grasp it and to hold on to it that I may understand more and more and more and not just understand, but experience it. He says, have the strength to comprehend it. And then verse 19, and he says, and to know He's speaking to your experience. It's not enough just to hear about it from Barrett, to hear about it from the Bible. It is to be experienced. Have you ever experienced this kind of love? Do you live in it every day? Do you you comprehend it and do you love it? Do you hold on to it because it's everything for you? To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge beyond us, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And that's our final point. That's the final thing he asked us to pray, and then we'll be done. He says, pray that you might have spiritual strength. Pray that you might have spiritual depth. Pray that you might know and experience the love of God for you in Christ. And fourth, pray that you might have the fullness of God. He says here in verse 19, that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and forever. To be filled with all the fullness of God. It's the picture of the Memphis Tiger Stadium yesterday, which I think maybe for the first time was full. (laughs) First time since I've lived in Memphis. Every seat is occupied to be filled. Every ounce of your cup being full. To be filled. Every space in your house, no more room for anything. I hope that's not you. To be filled. That's the picture. And it would be enough to be filled It says to be filled with the fullness of God. Not just that, to be filled with all of the fullness of God. God said, I want you to live life to the full. Set your expectations a little bit higher. 
start praying prayers that are a little bit bigger. Start dreaming dreams that are a little bit dreamier. Start hoping for things that are a little bit hopier. That's not a word. Start planning for things that are a little bit grander. Start believing me for things that are a little bit stronger. I am a God who is full. And I want you to live life full of me. And not just part of me. All of me. Pray that you would be filled. Filled with what? The fullness of God. What kind of fullness? All of the fullness of God. In other words, we can experience life that's so much better than what we experience now if we could grow and grow in more dependence upon God in our life, more surrender and belief to what he can do, not just what we can do, which is why he offers this final prayer in verse 20. Now to him, now to him, it's a doxology to him, to him who is able, God is able. You're praying that prayer, you're hoping that hope, you're dreaming that dream, God is able. What is he able to do? It says, far more abundantly than anything that you have asked or thought. Anything we ask or think. According to what? 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 According to the power that works in you? No. According to the power that is at work within us. In other words, his power that is given to us to work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I know often in my prayer life, I can tell when I'm praying and I actually believe that God can do something. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When you pray and you actually believe that God can hear you and you actually believe that he's able to answer the things you're praying. There's a difference. When I'm with people, I can tell when somebody's praying, when they're just praying to pray versus praying because they really believe God and they really believe that he's listening and he's going to answer. Not because of anything that we have done, but because he is able, because he is good, because he is gracious and he can do far more than we can ask or think. In your life, do you pray depending? Do you live depending upon what the greater things of what God can do or do you live with a very small mind of what you can do? When you're hoping, when you're dreaming, when you're planning, do you believe based on the things that you can do or the things that God can do? And what he's saying is pray for the fullness of God. Believe in what God can do. To him be glory forever and ever and ever. He closes the section saying, God is so great. Let him be glorified forever and ever through all generations in the church and in Christ Jesus forever. Let it be so. Amen. I don't even think we've begun to understand the things that God is able to do and wants to do in your life, in our church, in our community, in our world. But I want to be a person that prays for that kind of fullness and that kind of faith. Amen? So I'm done this morning. We've come to our time of response. I want to go back to our core truth. God has designed you that you would live life to the full every day. How does that come? Relying not on yourself, but on the overflowing love and provisions for you in Jesus. Does this describe you? 
I pray that it would. That you would be one who lives, who finds the fullness of life that God offers. But let me tell you, friends, I've learned this the hard way, and I'm still learning this. It's not relying on yourself or anything else in this world, but it's relying on God. Learning to live by faith. Learning to live in dependence upon God. And learning to pray every day. I pray that you would be a person every day that prays, God, would you give me strength? God, would you deepen me? God, would you help me to know and experience your great love today? God, would you fill me with what you can do? Not what I can do, but Lord, would you fill me with your fullness? I wanna live life to the full today. And I know today it's not gonna be because I'm a great person. It's gonna be because you are a great God. And your love and provisions for me and Jesus are more than enough to fill me to overflow. Amen? Let me pray for you, God. We thank you for this day of worship. Thank you for the time that we've had together. We thank you for your wonderful word. We pray today, Lord, that these words would find a home in our heart and that, Lord, we would learn to live depending upon you and experiencing the fullness that you have to offer and give us in your son, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we sing our closing song today? And would you just offer your heart to God and say, God, would you fill me? God, would you fill me? Would you teach me to live not on myself, but dependent upon you? I'm looking to you for strength and depth and love and fullness today, God. Only you.